Today's reading is uh, not one we often hear, uh, as typically on the second Sunday of Advent, we skip over this suggested text in favor of the more common leap to Luke 3, the telling of John the baptizer in the desert, eating locusts and honey, and telling people to repent and prepare the way for the Savior. No worries for all you John fans, it'll come back in January. No worries, you'll get to hear it. But an alternate reading for this second Sunday in Advent is one where we can maintain the chronology of Luke's gospel and spend a little time with Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, as we have before us today. So a, a little backstory to get to where we start our gospel this morning. Elizabeth is a relative of Mary, as many of you might know, Jesus' mother Mary, and we'll hear about her when Mary goes to visit her again in just a couple of weeks. Elizabeth and Zechariah had been trying to have children and had not been able to and had long passed the point of even hoping for this anymore. It is a hard place to be for any couple, if you've been there, you know exactly what this lost hope feels like. Zechariah was a priest in their town. In today's story, he is, or in, in a previous story, before we get to today's gospel, he's doing one of his priestly duties of tending to the incense in the temple. He goes in by himself, takes care of the temple. It's a solitary task. No one goes in in pairs. You go in by yourself. When he is suddenly joined there by the archangel Gabriel, who tells him that Elizabeth is going to have a baby. Uh, despite angel of God being the messenger here, Zechariah doesn't exactly buy it. And Gabriel's like, uh, angel of God, I think I know what I'm talking about. What do you mean you don't believe me? And then he makes Zechariah lose his voice. Until these things come to pass, he says. My friend and pastoral colleague, Emmy Kegler, says that she loves to imagine Gabriel coming back to heaven all offended like, you wouldn't believe this Zechariah guy, but I showed him. And God being like, oh, Gabriel, that is not how we do things. But now I can't undo it, so I guess we're just gonna roll with it. And I find this image so funny. <laughs> Zechariah's question to Gabriel that causes his muteness is how will I know this is so? This is the question he asks, and, and many of us have perceived it and, and been taught that this is some statement of belief. His muteness is then a punishment for not believing, right? My favorite author, priest, pastor, Barbara Brown Taylor, I think has it exactly right, as she usually does, when she says, maybe instead of a lack of belief, it is a failure of imagination. He had waited a long time for something that had been denied him, and he had gotten used to not being heard. So how was he supposed to know this time was different? I wonder a lot about this. How was he supposed to know this time would be different? 
If an angel of the Lord came to me and offered me the thing I wanted most in this life, how might I respond? How might you respond? I think most of us would be more like Zechariah than not, but how will I know? How will I know this is so? He asks this question that is founded not in disbelief or a lack of faith, but in the continued experience of lost hope and disappointed expectations. Who can blame him, really? How many things have I hoped for that haven't come to pass? We're all sitting here wearing masks, sitting kind of distanced, because we've been hoping for a thing that hasn't yet come to pass, right? How often have I prayed over and over and over for something only to be let down? Zechariah is silenced for this question, not just for a day or a week or even until it's absolutely certain Elizabeth is pregnant, but until everything Gabriel has said will come to pass, which ends up being eight days after the birth of his son. Nine months. I can't even begin to process how long this is of not speaking. Can you? I mean, the longest I've ever lost my voice is like two days, and it was a real challenge for this chatty Kathy verbal processor. Like, such a struggle, right? I just cannot. I can't even imagine. What, what might it be like to be unable to speak for that long? But then I also wonder, what might you learn in that much time? What might change for you? Maybe you would get really good at listening and watching. Now, I can't say that I mind the idea of someone wondering about what God might be doing, having to sit and watch and wait and listen for a while, particularly a priest who's kind of used to talking, right? I don't hate that. He has to watch and listen as his wife does get pregnant. He has to watch and listen as Mary comes to visit. He has to watch and listen as this new story is revealed right in front of him. But he was so attached to the story he had been telling himself, he had not previously been able to see it. I wonder if the point of this story we have in front of us of Zechariah is not that the silence is a punishment, but that trust can only really be gained from listening. We get in our own way, don't we? We have the answers for everything. My truth is often very confused with the truth. And everyone has an opinion and there are so many ways to share them, so we do. We have to have a hot take or a takedown for everything. But what if we couldn't? What if our ability to have an answer for everything was taken away from us? What might we see or hear or learn instead? Again, Barbara Van Taylor says, it seems entirely possible that this silence was the angel's gift to Zechariah, an enforced sabbatical, a gestation period of his own during which the seeds of hope were sown in his hushed soul. He could not learn anything with his mouth open. Nothing he could say held a candle to what was happening right in front of him, and his muteness turned out to be the wilderness in which his dream was born. His muteness turned out to be the wilderness in which his dream was born. 
Today is the second Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of peace, and we come now to this moment where Zechariah has been silent for so long, and it is time for Elizabeth to give birth. What happens on this day? See, I've sat all week wondering about the story of silence might have to do with peace because I don't think they're the same thing. I don't think forced muteness would be particularly peaceful, right? But I've wondered about what Zechariah might have learned during this silence sitting time. We hear that story in front of us today. What happens after? See, Zechariah learned to look and to listen. He watched God's plan unfold in a way that he hadn't been able to see with all his talking and having the right answers. As Taylor said, he couldn't learn anything with his mouth open. In his watching and in his waiting, in his silence, he saw what God was doing in his life, yes, but also in the world. See, we only watch and wait for these four weeks of Advent, and we're certainly not silent during them. Zechariah did this for nine months, and in that time, he really got it. Because when he finally opens his mouth, what we hear in our gospel today, he doesn't justify himself or talk about how unfair this nine months of forced silence had been or how he didn't deserve it or even to tell the story so he could brag about his encounter with the angel Gabriel, which is certainly what I would do when I got to talk, right? The first thing he does is sing a song of praise to God about what God is doing in the world. It wasn't about him, and he made sure everyone knew it. He sang a song of praise to God and what God is doing. He sang words of hope and love over his son and his son's role in the story of God in the world. This very often overlooked story of Zechariah reminds us that sometimes to truly know and trust what God is doing in the world, we just need to stop talking to be quiet for kind of a long time, even. Maybe what we actually need this Advent season is some time listening. Quiet stillness instead of posting and talking. Again, Barbara Brown Taylor says, what if we stopped pretending we could read God's mind and just sat down somewhere to do nothing together? watching for whatever new thing God is doing next. Isn't that what Advent is? Sitting down, waiting, waiting for the light to come into the world, waiting for the new thing that God is doing next. Don't we need Advent again this year? This is what Zechariah does today. When he tells his family and friends that his son's name is John, which, by the way, his wife already said, but cool, don't listen to her, check with the guy, it's fine. It's an acknowledgement in this moment of all that God has promised coming true, actually coming true. He sees it for what it is. Even when it was hard to believe, even when it seemed impossible, even when it took him a while to get there, which I honestly 
fully appreciate. You don't have to believe the promises of God right away. You don't have to do it. You don't have to fully understand what's happening in this moment. But that doesn't change what God is doing right now. In the moment Zechariah regained his voice, he began to sing this song of what John would do, what Jesus would do, what God would do for us all. And we call this song Zechariah's song now. It is a song of promise. It is one of these huge, beautiful songs in the Gospels. We have Mary's Magnificat. We have Simeon's Nunc Dimittis, which you'll hear about later, but you've heard maybe before. We have this beautiful song of Zechariah that we tend to just jump over, and it is too beautiful to jump over. This song of promise is to the community of God's people, to all of us, about what Jesus will do when he arrives. And then when John, when John hears the promises from his father, when Zechariah switches the, the song from being about Israel and the people of God to about his beautiful baby, those are the promises God has also whispered into your ears. This is the song of Zechariah, the promise to all of us. We can see what's coming, we know what's coming, and even though it's not quite here yet, even though things might look difficult or hard or downright bleak, I believe we too can sing this song, one of praise for what is to come, even when it's not here yet. So I'm gonna read it again. I want you all to close your eyes and listen to this beautiful song of Zechariah and hear the switch. He will switch to talking about John. He'll talk about you in this moment. He will say, and you, child, that's you. So be prepared for that switch. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for God has looked favorably on God's people and redeemed them. God raised up a mighty savior for us in the house of God's servant, David. And God spoke through the mouth of the holy prophets of old that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus, God has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered the holy covenant that was sworn to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we being rescued from the hands of our enemies might serve God without fear in holiness and in righteousness before God all our days. And you, child, you will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way to give knowledge of the salvation of God's people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. Amen. Can we build a place for all the lost you long to be Held inside the arms of love, the joy as you leave this service, your service begins. Comfort the homesick, open your doors for others, seek sanctuary.
be brave enough to go home by another way and remember that here in God's house, all are welcomed. In the name of our foundation, God, Spirit, Son, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Oh.